0: Welcome to Cruxcast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. I caught up earlier today with John Dolewood, CEO of Rocks Gold. We talked through the success of last year and how you go about building a multi jurisdictional, multi asset. Uh, company. Um, if you want our thoughts on that conversation um, and do some of those topics and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com/club. Uh, you can also find detailed company reports there and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, uh, which you may find interesting. Plus summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. There are training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. And of course, you could go and join our thriving community of intelligent investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. Friendly way, free from abuse, trolling, and judgment. Wouldn't that be nice? So check it out. I think you'll like it. cruxinvestorcom forward slash club. John, how are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Good to speak again. I know, long time, long time. Are you well? Where are you, where are you hiding at? I'm hiding out
1: down in Melbourne, where it's not too bad. Um, it's it's obviously been an eventful year, but I think you know, on balance, Melbourne hasn't been too bad a place to be. Uh, to be hiding out and and trying to keep all the plates up in the air.
0: Yeah, and have you been, have you found that kind of uh, managing people remotely? Was it was it always thus or is it just you've had to you know work a little bit harder at it?
1: I've become slightly more proficient at Zoom. Um, I must admit, if I had a dollar for every time I launched into a a brilliant uh, point with an, and had my mute button on, I'd be I probably wouldn't be working anymore. But uh, <laughs> apart from that, um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm still getting a little better. I haven't. I haven't really mastered the background though, so I apologise for a, a fairly sort of perfunctory background here. I don't have a, a funky rock gold backdrop or a carefully curated bookcase or anything like that. So I, I, no, I, I
0: apologise to your viewers. I think that's wise. That's wise. We've had various people on here who've got a fine quaff of hair, and they, they've done the whole presentation hairless. Because it, it just kind of you just sort of lose the edges. Or the good news is, and for people like me, maybe maybe I should employ it. Is they look a lot thinner because you're losing the edge of their face. That's I think that's yeah, the way forward. Sure. <laughs> right. Yes, well,
1: unfortunately, a fine a fine head of hair has not been uh, has, hasn't been my uh been an asset of mine for a, a long time. Probably about when I joined the mining business.
0: Right. Right. I, do, I, I know how you feel. Now. We better talk about uh, your business, Rox Gold, which had a pretty stellar year last year. So, before we, <coughs> me, before we do dive into that, why don't we give people a one-minute overview of what it is that you are, and then we'll dive into the story.
1: Sure. So, so Rox Gold is a Canadian gold mining company listed on the TSX under the ticker ROXG. Uh, we've been oper- we we discovered, built, and operating the Yaramoko gold mine in Burkina Faso. And I think for, for a number of years, we're a little bit of a one trick pony, but the last sort of end of 2019 and certainly last year, I think we can make the case uh, coherently that we've really um, evolved to become a much more, uh, a much more dynamic beast. We now have, a, and I'm sure we'll get into it, a, a new project in Cote d'Ivoire, which is coming along the pike very quickly. And we just made a new discovery in Burkina Faso. So from being a bit of a one trick pony, say at the start of 2019, as we start 2021. We're on the road, and I think we're on the road, and I think we can make the case that we're, we're heading towards being a, a three-mine company, multi-jurisdictional. Our intention is we've been able to extend our flagship operation at Yaramoko and uh, and using the cash flow from Yaramoko to build out our portfolio. So, so, in a nutshell, what we're trying to do is really provide our investors with Accretive, non-dilutive growth, and and I'll be happy to to take you and and your viewers through that story in in more detail.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I remember when we first talked. You're around 100 million bucks. Do you remember those days? 100 million bucks. You had one asset, short life of mine, high grade, in a jurisdiction which at the time was getting um, you know the the wrong sort of press in terms of uh, some of the activities going on in the country. It it, it was difficult times, but what I was intrigued by was the, the business plan back then you know, what you were hoping to do. So um, if you don't mind, so rem- remind us, you know, because you, you, you've described the type of company that you said you would be, you've, you've kind of got there, mm-hmm. but back then, it was tough going. So maybe just remind us what, how, you, how this thing started off and some of the problems you were dealing with, uh, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. So it's so often the case for me, it's a, a bit of a question of timing and, and our timing really wasn't ideal. For Yarimoco, we probably would have been better finding it about four or five years later, but you know, such as it is, and that's the hand we we're dealt. So we we built the project. So the project was discovered in 2011, and uh, we took over the company through a proxy contest in 2012, and it really went through the traditional sort of you know milestones of an exploration company turning into a producer. So you have that question. The you know, do you build it out? Do you, do you raise the capital and build the project or do you put yourself on the block and sell it? So we, we went through all those iterations. I'd um, previously been at Frontier Gold and we'd been taken over by Newmont. So the sale process was, was, a, was, a, was a fine outcome for me uh, as was the, the building it, which we'd done as well. So, so we went through those sort of combinations and permutations. Uh, as it ended up, we, we felt that the best course of action was to build the project. And I think, you know, that went very well for us. I mean, it was for a company, for a single asset company, a junior developer, it's probably the most ideal asset you could have had. As you as you identified, it was high grade. It was relatively modest capex up front, around $120 million. Uh, the grade that we saw, the cost profile that we had made it, you know, eminently financeable and we were able to raise equity and debt as, as and when we needed it. We attracted, you know, good, strong, solid shareholders, happy and Capital is one of our long-term shareholders, a PE fund out of London. So we're able to to attract that patient long-term capital, put the debt together, put the team together and build the project. And and really, the, the project, to be honest, has never missed a beat. And that's, I think, a credit to the operating team, the quality of the asset, et cetera. So it's really been a really good small mine. And, you know, you identify the question about mine life. And I think last year, and, and I think we did a lot, a lot of things went very well for us last year. And one of those was to really have quite a um, catalytic reserve and resource update. And what we were able to do is after operating the gold mine for, for six years, producing nearly 700,000 ounces, we're able to same, have the same measured and indicated resource base or slightly higher measured and indicated resource base than when we started so what we believe Yaramoko is in the way we look at it is as one of those exceptionally good underground gold mines that what you see in terms of mine life on paper is, is not what you get. Uh, and, you know, I can bore you to tears as, as well as any other mining guy about stories of mines that had three or four year reserves and have run for 20, 30 years. So and, and we think that Yaramoko will, will follow a similar vein. So, so that's sort of for us. You know, we had our growth ambitions, but I think one of our one of our sort of tactics was to really try and remove obstacles for people to own the story. Uh, first and foremost, mine life was a big one, and we spent we spent a lot of time over the last six or seven years talking about mine lives. And I think we we're able to sort of point to a track record now of Yarumoko of being able to extend that. And then really, then the next sort of weakness was single assets, single jurisdiction. You know, you're right; we're in Burkina Faso. It does get headlines from time to time. We've found it to be an excellent jurisdiction to work in. I mean, we've never missed a day's production through government or community action. So, so the perception and the reality are a little different, but at the end of the day, it's what people believe and that's what's important. So, so being able to move to being a multi-jurisdictional mining company now is, I think, one of, is, is hopefully one of the last hurdles for people to get over and really say, okay, let's have a good look at Rocks Gold. And what do I get for my investment dollar if I put it into Roxbury?
0: Okay. What I'm trying to get out of you is some of the lessons learned in terms of operating in West Africa. West Africa, you know, it, it can be tough. Uh, well, mining can be tough generally, but West Africa can be, you know, can throw up a few surprises. So I'm trying to say to people, look, the You've had issues in terms of life. It's one of the biggest questions that have been sent to us. You know, we've had literally hundreds of questions sent in, and it's like, how do they continue to extend the life of mine? There is a point of you know, no return eventually, right? So, what what are you doing to make sure that you're still going to be able to be operating in country, you know, ten years from now?
1: Yeah, so I think so, so on the books at the moment we have an eight-year mine life and that, that's an eight-year in-reserves mine life. And then we have a you know a decent inferred component on top of that. So first and foremost the target will be to convert that inferred to indicated and measured. And that's really a, an infill drilling exercise and we've started to do that at the moment. So we have three underground drill rigs turning as we speak from about six hundred meters below surface. The main aim of that program is to you know, infill, you know, grade control drill, as well as a little bit of inferred conversion. Next year, 2022, we have a, another drilling platform about 750 metres below surface. And the idea there is to continue to extend the mine at depth. So we think that over the next 18 months to 24 months, we'll be able to continue to test the down plunge extent. And when you've got a double digit grade resource, it you can mine it for a long way. So, I mean, people say, oh, what's the economic limit of trucking at Yarimoko and it's probably 2000 metres and we're, we're mining around five to 600 at the moment. So it's not a limiting factor. I mean, if you, if you stood, a, stood outside the, the, the portal at Yarimoko, especially the 55 zone and counted the trucks, you'd, you'd, you'd die of boredom. I mean, it just doesn't have to, to move that much material to, to get the, 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 the amount of gold that we produce because of the high grade nature. And that sort of flows all the way through the economics. Bagasi South um, is another, uh, another open area that's, that's op- open for expansion. What we did at Yaramoko this year, which was a little unique for us, is we wrapped reserves around an open pit concept at 55 zone. So at the end of the 55 zone underground mine life and whenever that will be, and that could be 15, 20 years from now, everything will fall into a big open pit. There's, a, there's a, over 200,000 ounces of very high grade, around five to six gram open pitable material. Once we've done it, we take out all our ventilation, etc. So there's no coming back from it. So we really want to make sure that we've extended the, the mine at depth as far as we can. And I think the same can be probably done at Bagosy South. So that's a focus for some drilling that's underway at the moment. So that'll again be a, hopefully another incremental add-on. So in you know four years' time, when we finish up at, at Bagosy South on the current plan, we'll be able may hopefully be able to have a couple of years of open pit. We're doing a lot of regional work, taking what we've learned from the open pit. Uh, study at 55 zone and extending that. So I think we'll be able to come back to our investors and say, here's a list of surface targets that we've drilled up, um, some of which may or may not have deep roots. So that's that's quite an interesting package. And we haven't talked a lot about that. But I think there's a, there's very much an opportunity for us, not just relying on extending the 55 zone at depth, and it's very much alive and well, and we'll start to have some drill results drill coming from there. But we've also got this... Near surface shallow targeting program that's starting to bear fruit as well. So, look, I I understand people's perspective on Yaramoko. We've we've talked about it with a lot of investors over the over the years. There there is no imminent finish to Yaramoko. It will be a fifteen plus year mine life, and I have very little doubt about that.
0: Okay, so in terms of number of answers that coming out of out of the ground will continue, the economics may change over. Time just by dint you know you go down further the costs go up and eventually there's but I haven't appreciated it, is the potential of an open pit but again it, you work out the economics and, and advise people as we go forward so the question of economics versus and life of mine as far as you're concerned is some ways out before for any sort of big decisions need to be made
1: yeah look it probably is to a, to a certain extent a going to be an economic end of mine life as opposed to a run out of ore. My life. I mean, I think these these sort of Shear Zone hosted gold deposits tend to have very deep roots. So it's, it's likely that the gold bearing system will extend for, for many kilometres, whether it extends at the grade and width that's economic remains to be seen. But, you know, so far so good. And I mean, one of the things that we're doing at the moment as part of our underground drilling program is testing the, the footwall structures. I mean, they've not been tested. So everything has really been drilled from the hanging wall side. So we're going to drive through that and start to drill into the footwall to see if there are parallel zones. We're drilling on the other side of the Aramoko shear, which has been interpreted as as cutting off mineralisation, but there's really no necessary reason for that being the case. So now that we're down nice and close to it, we can test over the other side of it. So I think, look, I mean, Aramoko and the 55 zone in particular is starting to have, it has a total endowment now of mind and M&I of about 1.6 million ounces. And we're looking at you know again an average grade of around 13 to 14 grams of of that endowment so those systems are very powerful systems they're very rich systems so given the the nature of of how this deposit was put in place and the the fluid flows that sort of pumped through the system to put it in place it's entirely possible and very plausible that there will be additional structures. Now, whether they're as good as the 55 zone or better or worse or whatever remains to be seen. But it is, I think, highly unlikely in in my slightly biased opinion that there won't be other Gold deposits found around Yarumoko.
0: Okay, great. Now, you've also got Basura, uh, I, I know we, we, everyone wants to talk about Seguela and we will talk about Seguela because it's very, very exciting. Some of the numbers coming out of there are, are, are insane. Um, but Basura, just in terms of just sticking with uh, Burkina Faso for now, you've got you. What, what are you seeing there, and does, is it encouraging you?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, so Basura, just just for your viewers for background, is a, a homegrown discovery by gold. It's something we pegged about four years ago. Uh, it was prospective at the southern end of the Hyundai Belt. So basically at the end of the Hyundai building Burkina Faso and and up to the border of of Côte d'Ivoire at the the southern end. And look, I mean, we did some fairly high level sort of field work and reconnaissance drilling over recent years and really got serious about it in the second half of 2018, largely under the the stewardship of of Paul Whedon, our VPX, who joined around that time and his in-country team and really gave it a, a good crack. And it's, it's really delivered the goods. I mean, what it, what it is, and it's a little different to what we typically have seen in the past. I mean, Yaramoko is an extremely high-grade sort of, sort of discrete depo- set of deposits. Seguela, again, very high-grade set of discrete deposits. I think it's actually going to be a much bigger project ultimately than Yaramoko. Time will tell, but it's certainly on a growth trajectory that would indicate that. I think what we have at uh, Basura is something that's probably a little more sort of typical of your West African open pit projects where you've got multi, multiple multiple structures, parallel zones over multiple kilometres. So the amount of real estate that we've identified at Basura as you know, gold bearing and all grading and, and the amount of artisanal workings that we see is much, much more extensive than any of our other projects. And that what that allows us to do is to really start to noodle out what this could possibly be. So we think that we'll be able to wrap a resource around for and Gowooly, the two main project areas later this year. So before the end of the year, a maiden resource for Basura. And I think that'll just be the first step. And I think from there, we'll, we'll look to, to drill this out. So I think we have several years of drilling at Basura and hopefully ultimately delivering multi-million ounce uh, deposit that can be our third gold mine. Um, with Yaramoko and Seguela in production, we could look we could tackle something pretty decent sized and that's hopefully where it ends up. I mean it's early days. But but if you look at the the widths that we're mine that we're hitting, the grades that we're hitting at both Fafora and Galgooli, the number of mineralized structures, the amount of artisanal workings that are yet to be tested, and the hit rate of, of all grade intercepts under the, the artisanal workings that we have tested, then it it, it looks it looks very good, I right. think. I think um, you know, we've sort of crossed, I think, crossed the Rubicon as to our mind, I think we're very we're very much on the cusp of being able to make that qualitative assessment that this will be a gold mine.
0: It'll be it'll be a gold mine. It'll be your gold mine because your your intention is to build a multi-jurisdictional, multi-mine operation.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and I think we've talked about this in the past. I mean, we we like the idea of accretive investments and not diluting our shareholders. So we have less shares on issue today than we did three or four years ago because we've had some share buybacks. I think what we don't want to do is go down the sort of, you know, what's been a fairly well-trodden path of delivering growth for growth's sake and diluting shareholders along the way. So, and I think Seguela is an excellent op- opportunity for us to uh, to demonstrate that insofar as, you know, we're not going to raise money to build Segwayla. We're going, to, we're going to build it from retained earnings, our cash at bank, additional borrowings that we're looking to put in place. So we won't be putting a bought deal out to fund Seguela and we will more than double our reserves, more than double our production cash flow and earnings per share. We'll, we'll you know, comfortably more than double on the same number of shares. So that should be very positive for our share
0: price. It should be, it should be very positive for the share price, absolutely. So how much money are you uh, allocating to? Um, Cote d'Ivoire um, you know because it, it, you, some of the results coming out of are, are spectacular. are you what, it, I mean, talk us through guidance for 2021, for instance, because I, let's, let's, I think now would be a good time to talk about Seguela because I, most of the questions that came in, most of the questions that came in were like uh, talking about the, the grades and you know how you're going to tackle it and will you abandon uh, Burkina Faso in favor of this? Um, what's the plan?
1: It's interesting. So we can certainly I'll, I'll talk a little bit about you know guidance, um, and then we can talk a little bit about the plan of how we're going to develop the project. So so guidance for next year is is, is quite similar to this year. It, you know we're around 120 to 130 thousand ounces of gold produced. That was our same range as we had last year. We came in at just over 133 thousand ounces. Our all-in sustaining cost runs from about 895 to 975, so sort of low to mid nine hundred, So a little bit less. Than what we did this year. Uh, We've got a little bit less sustaining capital at Yaramoco. And on a sort of a growth spend, we're looking at around $15 to $20 million, which again is the same sort of number we had last year. We edged that up based on success at Seguela and and Basura. Uh, Seguela was higher because we found, we discovered cooler, and we did a drill out, you know, an infill program, which is necessarily more expensive generally. So so hopefully you know the balance at Seguela now and we'll talk more about that shifts to to more testing targets, which is what we were doing when we discovered cooler. so that that number could go up, but that's a pretty good you know that's a pretty good sort of benchmark for us now. so one hundred and twenty to hundred and thirty thousand ounces of production all in sustaining cost you know around that sort of early early to mid 900s. so you know close to a nine hundred to a thousand dollar margin and fifteen to twenty million dollars across the portfolio. Seguela, Basura, Yaramoko, with, with, with Seguela not surprisingly taking the lion's share. So that's, that's what the year 2021 looks like for us. And, you know, I think we've, we've been, you know, pretty confident that that's, that's, you know, in hand and we should be able to deliver that, you know, subject to COVID not having a, an undue change in its impact, etc. cetera. In terms of how do we look to manage that, I mean, we are very keen and very committed to becoming a multi-mine, multi-jurisdiction company. So we are comfortable working in Francophone, West Africa. Paul Criddle and I built Sabadala back in 2008, 2007, 2008. And I mean, it's interesting. So so a number of the people we worked with, a number of the Senegalese people we worked with at uh, Mineral Deposits when we built Sabadala are now working for us and have been working for us for 6 or 7 years at Yaramoko. They are starting to move down to Seguela um, uh, as part of our sort of Construction team, and will be part of our operational readiness team. So we've started to we've had some of our employees now that we've worked with for fifteen years, and what that enables it as for as as a business that we can start to offer those same career paths to our Birkenbebe employees, and also some of our expatriate employees have now got a, a really a genuine career path at Roxgold. So our retention ability stays very high. Um, so I think you know with our with our structure under our under Paul with our COO. Leading the operations and the, um, and the development team. David Whittle, who's, uh, who's running Yaramoko for us and will help us out at Tsuguela. We've really got a lot of bench strength now in both ops and development. Um, you know, our Eric Raton, he's our general manager, external relations. He's now relocated to um, Abidjan to sort of guide that. And he's number two. Ah has been promoted to be our sort of face of rocks gold in in Burkina. So from a personal you know development of our people perspective and also you know for our host government, we can really start to show that we are walking the walk. I mean we are paying our taxes, our royalties, and really helping that transfer of knowledge and developing our people. and you know some of them will start to be working as expats in the, in the coming years as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, I, I, so it's such, such a small thing, but it, it just shows a lot in terms of ESG. It's become such an important part for institutions um, to be able to. It's more than a tick box exercise now. It's got to be meaningful. So it's also something about your, your investments into local community, planting trees, and uh, you know, and uh, and working working with the community, employing ninety one percent of your employees are, are, are local. This is all, all good stuff. Um, how's it going out there? Because we talk to West African uh, companies all the time, and you know, I think 18 months ago, even a year ago, they had a whole bunch of different issues around you know te- terrorist activity. Now it's COVID, um, so you, you've got to manage these small fires, as, as it were. I mean, relations in country fine. You, 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 you're you're, fi- you're finding that the, the government isn't sort of, is is being helpful to your. Um, You know, your aspirations at Basura, for instance, or does it just take all just take a a long time?
1: Oh, look, I mean, I think,
0: I mean, to be
1: honest, and I think this goes to the nub of the question about political risk and and jurisdictions. I mean, you can get your gold mine built faster in a number of West African countries, and I'm saying Burkina, Cote d'Ivoire, Mali, Senegal, faster than you will in pretty much any other jurisdiction. And that's not because they're, they're, they're cutting ties. I mean, basically all of these projects are built by Western companies, subject to Western rules. They're financed by Western banks. Uh, their investors have their own ESG mandates, et cetera. So you're sort of building it to, to a high standard, but you're not being made to jump through the amount of, of red tape or green tape necessarily that you might in a lot of other jurisdictions, which can be a bit of a tick the box exercise. So, if you're in Burkina or, or Cote d'Ivoire, this has certainly been our experience. That interest, the interest from the government right down to the local communities for that foreign investment, is very tangible. I mean, it means a lot for a Burkina government, Burkina Faso, to have that a new gold mine enter the formal economy, pay taxes, pay their employees, pay their employees taxes, pay into the local the social security fund. You know, have the resources for a COVID. I mean, you know, we've we've been assisting the government and local communities with uh, health, um, you know, PPE for health professionals, etc. So, you know, I think there there is a there is a compact between us and our hosts, and we're very mindful of that. And I think from being able to show them how much you know the dollar flow, which is clearly important. No point in beating around the bush and denying it, but also the qualitative aspects of of us putting our people first and and starting to prom- promote them, I mean, that's that's very important. And, uh, you know, it's important around the world and, and certainly the case there. So that's we're still very happy working where we are. You know, I think on the security front, you mentioned that. That's, you know, clearly been an, a, an area of concern for, for a number of years now. And we sort of started to see the situation deteriorate to a certain degree, you know, quite a few years ago and have been gradually ratcheting up our response to that, um, you know, the election, we had elections in both countries at the end of last year in, in November and December. Uh, typically elections can be a little problematic um, and, and there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of nervousness around them in and, and both countries and, and both countries were facing their own different issues, Burkina sort of on a security perspective, Cote d'Ivoire on sort of term limit perspective and, and both went very well. So, you know, we got through that, it would, preferably, you wouldn't have them back, back up one month after the other, but that's what's happened. And now those elections are over for the next five years. So, you know, I think it, you know people have their perspective on on West Africa, and I understand that. But you know, the countries are all different, and, and the operating environment for investment has is has always been excellent, in my opinion.
0: Okay, where where is going with that question? Is i was trying to work out how much control you have over timing how much control the, the the government governments exert over you because you're at that kind of tricky stage now you, you want to be a mid-tier you produced 133 ounces slightly over it um, last year it was was a great year and to get up to that 250 three hundred thousand ounce a year you're gonna to have to go some and you're also going to have to well it depends what your time what your timeline is I guess we're here in a second um, Things like Seguela, you're going to have to pump a lot of money in there to work out what you've got, how you're going to tackle it, and you know, and when you're going to, you know, aim for in terms of production to be able to allow you to become a mid tier producer. So, how much how much money are you going to be spending? How much how much control do you feel you're in? And so, when you when you're talking to the market, give them a sense of of, of timing on that.
1: Sure. So, I mean, you know, we, we obviously try to, to focus on control the controllables that are within our control and sort of try and influence those that are outside of our control. And look, I mean, the governments, you know, if we look at the governments, I mean, they're, they're sovereign nations and they have control over their own borders and laws, et cetera. So COVID was a, was a, was a good example of that. I mean, for Burkina, where we are primarily operating, uh, mining was designated as a, as a critical industry. And, and that's due to its contribution to GDP, etc., and its ability to assist in some of these other qualitative aspects. And so we were able, we've always been able to, and we're always able to move our people around Burkina, even though they had uh, restrictions on curfews and travel. So we were accept, exempted from that. So I think that shows a maturity and a, and a willingness to work cooperatively. So we're very, very grateful for that. So that's, and we're we mindful that that's incumbent upon us to respect that and and manage our risks so that we don't expose any of our communities to an undue introduction of the of the virus, etc. So I think that's a good a good sort of current worked example of of working through a challenge. And I mean, there are there are other countries that have taken a harder line, uh, and and sort of basically you know mining wasn't included in that, and there's been a lot of companies that had to shut their operations down. So I think that's that that should give some people some comfort. I think in terms of how we're going to fund it, and can we deploy that capital as and when we need to, I think we do have to be mindful that we are operating in a with a pandemic. And, but if the current operating situation continues and, and doesn't get worse, we are confident that we'll be able to deliver our feasibility study next quarter. So we would have delivered our feasibility study before the end of the year, but for the discovery of Cooler. And if you find, 300,000 ounces in an open pit at 8 grams. You're sort of encouraged to, to try and work that into your numbers. So that's what we've done. So that's kicked that that um, that out by four to five months. So so you can expect to see the feasibility study. Significantly, the perm the the mining permit has already been awarded. So we have received our mining permit. Our ESIA has been approved, and we're in advanced stages of negotiating the mining convention, so the fiscal stability arrangement. So, so that's that's looking good. So that's, that's not really, we don't think that's on our critical path. So we, mining convention will come, feasibility study will be published. We're looking to finance the project. So we'd look to increase our debt facilities and we're talking to a range of different counterparties about what that might look like. I think it will probably look relatively vanilla. We've, we've had a very straightforward project finance facility for for a number of years, that's what we built Yaramoko with. That's been converted from a you know restrictive project finance type facility to a, a more um, less restrictive corporate sort of debt arrangement. So I think we'll be able to in- enhance that probably to around the 150 million dollar range. Uh, we have finished the year with about 62 million dollars in cash at the end of 20. We're generating cash as we speak. Uh, we generate cash through 21, 22. So we're very comfortable that with that increased debt facility of 150 million, 60 million dollars starting debt today, and cash flow from Yarimoco, that we we can be funded. And that's to my earlier point about we're not looking to raise any equity. Uh, I still don't think people actually believe me, but it's that's that is what we're going to do. We are not going to be raising equity. If 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 we are, then something's gone wrong along the track. Okay, so you you you, you are
0: absolutely focused on per share growth. It's one of the things you mentioned earlier. So there's going to be no sacrifice over the next couple of years just to get Seguela up and running. You're you're conscious that and and you and you believe that you can get a fairly significant package put together in a in a and with vanilla terms, as you put it. By that I mean you know Hmm. palatable.
1: Yes, we've scaled up our. Our human resources. I mean, we've got a our new um, new sort of mining manager, processing manager, our general manager at Yarimoco are all first class. I think they're looking. You know, we're looking to have them take some responsibility for Seguela. You know, Paul, our COO's got a number of mine builds under his under his belt. He's, um, his his two IC was with us for Yarimoco. We've increased our technical services capacity, so we've got those sort of those. Um, departmental heads looking at some of those critical areas for us. So you know I think we've you know, I don't want to sound overconfident, but you know, I think we've 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 all managed multi-mine companies in the past. We've built projects in this part of the world. We're we're much better financed than we were when we did Yarumoco. and the payback I think on Seguala will be even quicker than what we saw at uh, what we enjoyed at Yarumoko.
0: That, that that was where I was going with this one because it, it, just looking looking at the numbers it's trying to understand Companies trying to become mid-tier companies quite often make the mistake of plowing money back into the ground because they want to get things moving quickly. But you feel that you've, because of your track record, that we we don't have to go through that, and there will be this per, per share growth focus. Um, it's a great. I I, I I'm I want to I want to hear this story more next year or this year uh, than we did last year because um, it sounds like things are really yeah. starting to motor. And um, just just. I haven't talked about grades or drilling or any of that because I imagine you've done. I see that you've done a lot of that over the past uh, few months, or or your quarterly. So it, all the numbers look great. Um, so let's just have a, a, a moment to uh, indulge in. Some of the numbers that are coming out of Seguela are, like I said, you know, insane. I mean, you can't have expected it to be that good when you bought the asset.
1: No, no. Look, we, we. I'm certainly not going to say that. The when we bought the asset, and I think we talked about this. So we closed on the asset in April of 2019. So we've owned the, the asset for about 21 months. What we bought from Newcrest was just over 400,000 ounces of Inferred at 2.5 grams at Antenna, and that was the published resource from Newcrest. And, and the asset was a little uh, orphaned within the Newcrest portfolio. They'd sold the Bonochrome mine um, previously, so their attention was moving to the um, to the Americas. Um, so they had this development, and it looked subscale. I think there's there's no point in beating around 400,000 ounces. Uh, twenty million dollars, so twenty million cash, and there's an additional ten million due upon first production. So basically what we did is we repaid Newcrest their investment. They'd spent about twenty million dollars exploring at Seguela. and you know the interesting thing about Newcrest is that they have been a very successful exploration driven company. they've they've found the majority of their gold mines. And what they'd done is when they they'd had really early mover um, status when they came to Cote d'Ivoire, Back in, I guess, the early 2000s or mid 2000s. And they had about, you know, they had a very large patch of Cote d'Ivoire. They've subsequently sort of curated that down. And that's what we bought over and above Seguela. So we got a large regional package as well. But what we saw at Seguela, getting back to your original question, sorry, I do get a little off topic sometimes. Um, What we saw at Seguela was the ability to grow the project. We, We thought that we could probably get our way to 800 to a million ounces over a few years and for a company like us as a single asset that was that would have been good business yeah and i think it, i don't think it set the world on fire when we announced the acquisition i'm pretty sure it didn't set too many hearts aflutter, uh and people didn't appreciate you know it was a little underwhelming but you know if you get on with it you, you sort of work your way through these and you don't get too disappointed maybe cry yourself to sleep a little bit that's okay um so so we had Relatively modest expectations for us for it to be a winner, um, and then I think what happened is we started to go through the the, 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 the sort of the, the Newcrest exploration work and started to look at some of the targets that they just hadn't really got around to drilling. One of which was Ainsian, and Ainsian turned into quarter of a million ounces at six grams, all within an open pit shell, and the and the effect that that had on the economics of Antenna and some of the other deposits that we'd, we'd found was quite compelling so so we thought Ooh, this is probably getting ahead of what we'd hoped you know so our sort of upside case was being exceeded and then subsequently with the discovery of cooler it's really gone blown over the top so i think i mean i think with seguela we are we are eventually going to be looking at a multi-million ounce gold project in a, in a series of pits some of which likely to go underground because they've got insane grades i mean you know we had one of the, the headline holes was 14 metres at 46 grams last week at, 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 at Cooler. And if you go through the list, and I think this is always a test that I like, when you look at the headline numbers and you go, well, that's a nice couple of headline holes, how many holes were drilled and what were the results on the rest of them? And if you look at that drill, if you look at that press release, there are a number of holes that go well below, well, well outside the, the bullet points that would have been the headline numbers on a, on another project, and and I think I think that speaks to the consistency. I mean, these are these aren't artifacts; these are real high grade deposits that that look like they've got deep roots down plunge. So that's why we're current programs to, to follow up to see if we can extend ancient and cooler in the first instance into underground operations. So.
0: No, it, it was it was interesting, you know, going through the numbers and studying it because it's the case of you know sometimes you win, sometimes you lose with acquisitions, right? And um, I think in this case, it's better to say you, you you've come up trumps uh, on, on this acquisition. Um, as you say, the headline component companies I was just going through your press release for the last year. The amount of big, you know, eye grabbing um, grades on there, as you say. It's a trick employed by lots lots of companies, but when you get into the details, say it's just t- multiple multiple numbers with big grades over big widths, yeah. it's very, very encouraging. It's got to change your mind about how you approach it though, doesn't it? Every time some of these grades come back, you go, well, maybe we could allocate a little bit more money for drilling. Because you want, you want to understand the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the just, amount of metal in look, the ground, right? Yeah, so I,
1: I'm sure, I'm, I'm probably not speaking out of school, but the, some of our board members look at our VPX as if he's a, a foie gras goose and just want to force feed him more money to find uh, to find more gold. And he and he's you know, he's a very sensible, uh, very experienced operator. And he's he's wanting to make sure that we don't do our exploration necessarily with the drill bit. It's a planned, methodical process that we we generate targets and we test them and then if they come up trumps, we come back and infill. So all dreadfully boring. Uh, and when you're sort of drilling six, seven, eight hundred 800 gram tonne meter uh, intervals, you sort of want to get on with it. But, um, but I think it's, it's paying off. And, you know, we've really matured in our, in our exploration and our geological capacity. I mean, we're now able to really look at it as a portfolio, put some gates in place and some tests and some hurdles that things have got to get over and, and, and you know, try and maintain that sort of a little bit of dispassion Towards it, so that you're not just chugging lots of money into lots of deep holes and and, and drilling and praying. It's it's become quite uh, quite 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 planned, and, and so far so good.
0: Yeah, so far so very good. Um, like John, brilliant updates. Uh, wish we'd uh, well. Hopefully, we'll speak more regularly um, during the course of this year. You're building something quite nice there, um, in the right way, and you you. Looking after the cash as well. So that's really good news. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on this year. We'll be delighted to take that phone call.
1: No problems. Thanks very much. Great to have the opportunity to speak again.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor? Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback. So please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.